Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Ant Wright, our college basketball analyst here for the Wolverine and on3.com, also former Michigan basketball player. Uh, we are going to talk about Michigan's 63-55 to loss to Villanova in the Sweet 16, ending the Wolverine season. Uh, pretty good run for Michigan, making the second weekend, especially after a disappointing regular season. We'll talk about that. We'll do a little big picture at the end on the entire season, uh, which is tough to sum up the day after, you know, 12 hours after it ends, but uh, we'll do our best. Let's just talk about this game to start, though, And I mean, it, it basically it came down to Michigan missing shots. They missed seven free throws. They also missed 16 layups in this game. They had the size advantage. They wanted to get it down low. Hunter Dickinson actually finishes as a, positive on plus minus I think he was plus three um and you know even he went six for 16 it didn't play his best game uh obviously tough to win when he doesn't play his best game and you don't get huge performance from a Caleb Houston or even an Eli Brooks who played pretty well but um just kind of your overall assessment of this game what, what you feel like went wrong and why Villanova a great offense that was held to 37 percent field goal shooting was still able to beat a Michigan team that has a really good offense yeah, man, it's, you know, they didn't play their best at all. Um, they, But they also didn't play bad. Like, they, they didn't play bad. They just didn't finish. Like, you get to the free throw line, finish your shots. Uh, you just said they missed 16 layups. Like, finish your bunnies. Um, they got layups for a reason. They got layups because they executed. 
they got layups because they put themselves in a position to succeed, right? And all they got to do is just finish, just finish the possession. It's just like on the on the defensive end, you can play great defense and you can get a good shot contest and you can close out the right way. You can, you can do all these things and, and you know, ex- execute well defensively and then end up and then end up giving up an offensive putback off of, off of a, off of a rebound, you know? And does that mean that there was bad defense? No, it just means that you didn't finish that possession. And there was a lot of that last night. And on a team that has been good all year long, you know, finishing around the basket, like that's been their bread and butter. And that was the game plan coming in. You saw it. Like they almost didn't run offense. They were just like, yo, get the ball to Musa, get, get the ball to Hunter. Uh, and let them do their thing. And I feel like that overemphasis may have played a little bit into their minds. Like, you know, we're always going to get them the ball anyway. Just just play ball. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, in between their ears, they're like, okay, we have the beast down here. They're smaller. We can score. And they weren't just in like, hey, let's hoop and have fun mindset. That I think that is a great, great point. And it's something I thought about last night where you didn't feel like, you know, I know Eli hit those three threes and they were huge because they were down nine each time he hit those in the second half yeah. and he cut it to six, but didn't feel like he was. And I know, you know, he's not a guy that's taken over games other than the Tennessee game and things. That's not his bread and butter either, but he didn't feel as aggressive to me. Devontae Jones, and I know he was coming off of, you know, not really playing for, you know, a week or so. Um, you know, he had the 12 minutes against Tennessee, but he didn't feel like his aggressive self to me. I know he had four assists. Uh, he did some things. Um, Caleb Houston, it, it's become pretty apparent throughout the season against top or, uh, you know, top tier opponents. He doesn't create enough off the ball. That's not his game yet. And I think that's a big stride he'll need to make this offseason because they're going to need him to do more of that next year, no matter who comes back on this team. But didn't feel like they were aggressive enough. And like you said, just kind of like, hey, we're. We're going to force this thing into the post. And it reminded me a lot of the UCLA game last year when they lost because, man, it just felt like nobody was running anything. And then at the end of the game, when you needed a three or, you know, you needed a big bucket from one of your wings or your guards, and Eli and Franz both missed some big shots down the stretch in that game, uh, they weren't in rhythm. They, you know, they weren't doing that all game. They weren't ready for that. So um, did, did it feel similar to you, I guess, in that regard? And I know – you know, Michigan's got the dominant presence in there with Hunter Dickinson, but at times you feel like you just got to – you're going to get that stuff. It's going to come either way. Do you feel like they should have probably, you know, just run more of their sets? I do feel like it was pretty similar to the UCLA game because UCLA was – Villanova was very similar in they played very pack liney, right? They wanted to kind of pack it in and, you know, you know, you know, force you to take contested threes. Um, they were willing to – give up the three, but it's going to be contested. Um, but they really just didn't want you to score within 15 feet. But, you know, there were a lot more bodies on guys within, you know, close to the basket. But still, like, we were getting these attempts that would just – we would just get these attempts that would just, like, go in and out. These these attempts that will be, like, just long or these attempts that will just, like, ring around the rim and um, – I just think that they needed to just trust their offense and just and just and just play. Like, yes, have concepts to get guys the ball, but you know, don't 
don't make something in emphasis that's already in emphasis within what you you've been doing and when you've been successful. You know, Hunter in the last two games, I don't think there was an emphasis to get him the ball. It was just an emphasis to just run the offense and execute. And then what happens? Hunter just goes nuts because that's kind of how the offense is geared. It's geared towards him already. There's no need to go isn't there's you know no need to overemphasize what's already what's been emphasized the last several months in my opinion yeah no that's a good point and you know Caleb Houston it looked like he he got off to a hot start he had five points within the game's first two minutes doesn't score after that you had seven combined missed shots from Terrence Williams and Brandon Johns that's not going to help um Brandon Johns played some great defense though and I saw you banging that drum as well on on Twitter last night too like and people that wasn't me yeah. that wasn't me saying he should do this or he shouldn't do that people right. are like why is he playing I'm like this is why he's playing like yeah there's not a discussion about why he's playing like hey do you like and then this is what's so funny about it they go why is you know T. Will is such a great game why isn't he playing over Brandon? I'm like first of all T. Will and Brandon Johns are two very different players. That's number one. Number two, if you want to have beef with T. Will not playing, look at Caleb Houston, okay? Those two are more similar where there's not really a big trade-off, right? With Brandon Johns, that's 6'8", 230. T. Will, 6'5", 210, 215, right? Him and Caleb are very comparable, right? If you want him to take minutes, look at Caleb Houston. Um, don't look at Brandon Johns, especially in a game when you're already playing really big wings. And Terrence does struggle a bit defensively. He needs to get better with that in the offseason. But when you're playing really big wings like Nova plays, like you've got to have a really sh- strong person playing alongside Hunter. Um, because they they like to ISO hunt and really go at him. They needed someone who was going to be a secondary defender alongside with him. Um, you know, once again last night, I believe, I believe, I believe Brandon gave up like like four points in like nine possessions. Yeah, he was guarding like the guy shooting on like every possession for a stretch there, and he was yeah. on his own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know he played very very well and. That's not his job to come in and just drop 10 and 5. His job is not to come in the game and just shoot the lights out. That's 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 just not his job. We would like him to. I think we every, everyone acknowledges that he has the talent to do so. But when it comes to his confidence on the offensive end, we know that that's been rattled quite a bit. That's not really a discussion there. But like we don't need five guys who are have a score first mentality. You know, him coming in with a defensive mindset uh gives your team a lot of balance. When he's in on then when they're on offense, you have someone who would rather defer to other players who are going to give you some offense, right? So that's where I think, you know, you know, people get it kind of kind of mixed up. So like why is he playing? Why does he have minutes? He, okay, this is why. This is why he's playing. This is why he gets minutes. He's the best defender on the team. He's the best jump shot defender on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he just doesn't allow a lot of points to be scored on him. So yeah. that's why he plays. 
Sure. And, and I agree with that. Um, I also think it's disappointing, you know, where his game has gone on the offensive end where he can't, you know, not that he can't, but, and I thought those were fine shots he took for the most part. Um, but just to not be able to knock anything down in that game. And you look back at last year's sweet 16, I think he had 10 and five in that game. So, um, it's just kind of odd how his offensive game has, you know, I don't want to say developed, but, you know, kind of gone backwards in a way. Um, and you know, he could potentially have a decision depending on how things shake out. Um, you know, if they ask him back, if he wants to come back, but, um, I, I did want to mention this Michigan played and really played some good defense, uh, in the, you know, I know Colorado state got off 35 threes and they were nailing them all in that first half, but the last three games, the defense has been pretty damn good, uh, holding both Colorado state and Tennessee to under one point per possession. And then last night, Villanova, that was their sixth worst offensive output of the year in terms of efficiency. Um, they missed some threes at the same time. Didn't feel like that, you know, I know they got to the rim a few times and you know, that kind of hurt Michigan at the end there, but like they weren't burning Michigan with, with much. And they knew they had to just kind of, you know, Hey, these 30 seconds, we're going to run off the clock are way more valuable than us trying to score because we haven't really had a ton of success on the offensive end. I guess, what do you attribute outside of Brandon Johns, but just the rest of the defense, I thought it was a a good effort. And that's what I think makes this, this thing sting even more because that put them in position to win this game. The guards, the guards played a really good game defensively. Um, Eli, Devontae, Frankie, they played very good defense on Justin Moore, uh, Caleb Daniels, and uh, Colin Gillespie. So, like, those guys, I was looking at the – where's those numbers? I was looking at those numbers, I believe – let's see. I believe they had – I believe Caleb Daniels was 10. I believe Colin Gillespie was four for 14. Yep, that's correct. And then I believe Justin Moore was like five for 12 or five for 13. Five for 13. He was three of eight from three. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, our biggest concern was guarding them within the two. And they did a really good job. Like, they held Justin Moore to two for five. Gillespie was 0 for four from two. Um, and Caleb Daniels was three, four, five, but, but like between the three guards, right. They were 12, 12 for 37. I just did. They just did an outstanding job. Yeah. They did an outstanding job. Um, the one guy that kind of carried them throughout was Jermaine Samuels, Samuels. who I listed. Um, I listed him. I did an article before the game, three possible X factors. They were Terrence Williams. Caleb Houston and Jermaine Samuels, and and one of yeah. them stepped up. Yeah, yeah. So Jermaine Samuels, like that dude was, he was definitely a problem. Six seven, two thirty. Um, you know, he was eight for thirteen on the game. I believe he was one for five against Brandon. So that's why he also came came in because Jermaine was getting Hunter in these ISOs, and uh, you know. Hunter had a tough time stopping him. But then they put Brandon in the game, and that actually cooled him down. Um, but, yeah, another reason why he played 17 minutes is because that that dude was just absolutely killing him. Yeah, his quickness was a problem, I thought, for Hunter. Yeah. Yes. And, like, he also had size, too. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not tall. 
But those guys, those guys are big and, and they were physical and they took pride in that. I was thinking about this before the game. You know, we talk about the size advantage, but if you're Villanova and you're one of those quote unquote big guys, you're taking it personal. Remember Jordan Morgan taking that stuff personal back in, you know, 2014 against Tennessee. I forget who that yeah. that guy's name was, but uh, yeah. McGee or something like that. But it's like, you know, you're going to take that personally. They've been facing big guys throughout the year too. You know, I know the Big East isn't the Big Ten in that regard, but they played Purdue. They played Creighton, who has a seven-footer, uh, twice, you know. So it's not like this was some foreign thing. Um, right. But give Michigan credit for what they did on the defensive end. And, again, I wrote it last night, but it's like, the the things Michigan did well in this game make the result so disappointing because they were in position. Villanova wasn't super hot. You know, they they didn't score much. You know, 63 points, that feels like you would have won that game 68-63 or something like that. Uh, but obviously I think the failures were on the offensive end, on the interior. And, you know, Hunter Dickinson just didn't quite look like the same – guy with the same focus like not that he wasn't trying or not that he was you know wasn't doing everything he could but it's hard to replicate that sometimes and when you don't see those first few shots fall it kind of gets tough and you get that feeling like the first possession of the game was Eli Brooks misses I think what was a runner maybe um and then they get the offensive board about you know 10 seconds later Hunter misses a shot at the rim and it's like okay like they're gonna get in there but they gotta finish these and that was kind of the story uh the whole game um, if I, yeah, if I had told you, if I had told you that Villanova shot thirty-seven point three percent from the field and thirty percent from three, I mean, eight-point win, five, seven. Easy. If Michigan, you know, easy. free throws and layups, man. Uh, That's that was the game. Like, forget everything else. Like, that was the game. It wasn't because such, such and such played. Not because they didn't hit these threes. It's not because it's. Literally layups and free throws, and the fact that they lost off of layups and th- and free throws makes me absolutely sick. Because like those are things that, you know, those are things that should be happening whether your team is struggling or not, right? Mm-hmm. You got to make those. Yeah, that's buddies. a given. That's got to make your free throws. You know, those For are sure. those are things that like don't don't change. You know what I mean? And especially with this team, as you mentioned, what they've been doing all year, they led the Big Ten in two point field goal percentage. Um, you know, that's that's what they do, and they don't shoot a lot of threes. They shoot more twos than anybody, and they make more twos than anybody in Big Ten play, and there's a lot of good interior teams in the Big Ten, and Michigan was the best at that. So uh, I think it makes it it makes this one hurt. Obviously, it, it's always tough when, when the season ends like this. Um, at the same time, you know, they were not expected to, to get to this second weekend. If you would have told people in November, though, before the season or, you know, whatever, last October – when the preseason polls came out, Michigan will make the Sweet 16, they'll lose. People would have been like, okay, you know, we, we need a deeper run than that. Um, even though it's crazy even saying that because it's so hard in this tournament. Just ask uh, all the teams that Hunter was saying were, would be watching them back from the crib. But um, so expectations are fluid, in, in my opinion. Like the expectations in mid January when they were seven and seven had a COVID outbreak. Lost to Illinois, but fought hard. You know, remember the expectation at that point was so low that people were excited that they tried really hard against Illinois. And Jace Howard came in and added. I'm not trivializing those things. I was also on that on that same wavelength. But expectations have changed. Expectations coming into this weekend are different than they were coming into last weekend. People thought Michigan had a real chance here to potentially, you know, make the Elite Eight. And then you never know. You're you're a player two away from 
the final four, but I guess how do you kind of sum up this season? I was asked on a, a radio show this morning, uh, how, you know, is it a success or a failure? It's like, well, there's, it's gray, man. It, it's a gray area because it's not black and white. And there's a lot of teams around the country that are asking themselves that same question. And the truth as much of a cop out of an answer as it is probably lies, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, especially when, I mean, it shows you one thing. It shows that this this program has the has the has the chance to have a culture of resilience. Um, you know, you lose games like at home to Minnesota, on the road to UCF, which feels like a million years ago, but it just happened a few a few months ago. But you lose at home to a Minnesota team who goes on to win three or four Big Ten games total. Um, you lose to UCF. Uh, on the road in the game that you had full control over in the uh, second half, and then they decided to not miss a three. Um, you lose early to Seton Hall, right, at home. You lose to an Arizona team that nobody knew how good they were. They get that was pummeled by them. coming out party, yeah. That was a coming out party, and they were styling on us. Um, for a team to go through all that um, – Struggle against Tarleton State, even though Tarleton State did the same thing to Gonzaga a couple of days later. Yep. Um, Shout out. Yeah. So it shows it shows how resilient this program can be. It shows how how resilient the staff is. How the how strong the players were um, to come back from all that, and they and they found themselves in a very tough predicament. In the last ten regular season games, they had to win six of the. They 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 had to win six, at least six, and they won six, and they did that without Hunter, and probably the game that put them in the tournament against Ohio State on the road without Hunt. Absurd. Playing against EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham, a team who just beat you at home by what ten or eleven points, and. Going there and seeing guys step up and and play well and um, really say, okay, there's no hunter here, but we're still going to find a way to to uh, win this game. Um, very, you know, uh, resilient year, and I'm 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 not going to call it a failure. I'm also not going to call it a a, a successful year. Um, but going from those really bad losses to like, like, is this team even going to be over 500 to go to an NIT? Um, they could have crumbled completely. Yeah. Easily, easily. And you know, there, there are some things that happened and went down behind the scenes that people don't know about that. This team could have easily crumbled, easily crumbled yeah. easily. Um, and the, the fact that they, they've gone and went through all that stuff, uh, is very impressive from a leadership standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. But like going to the Sweet 16 and playing against a pro and David Roddy, uh, a very good guard in Isaiah Stevens, you know, being down by 15 early, um, and then just your defense just picks up and just plays very well, um, and you win that game. And then who you get, you get Tennessee. You get a Tennessee team who's one of the hottest teams in the entire country. Um, and 
And people are like, oh, you got gifted Tennessee. Of course, after you win, you get gifted everything, right? Right. Everything is gifted. What, what was that all about? Yeah. But, you know, you play a, a Tennessee team where, hey, you know, you didn't hate the matchup based off of personnel, but, you know, team-wise, Tennessee just just won the SEC tournament um, handily. Like, they beat A&M 60 to, 65 to, like, 50 or something. Like, mm-hmm. the way that they – like basically gave them the ball in some instances and Michigan still won by like what two or two or three possessions. Yeah. They won um, by eight points. Yeah. yeah. Resilient, resilient. And then you play against a Villanova team where like all you gotta do is make free throws and make layups. And we're talking about the elite eight against Houston. And that would have been a heck of a game, I think. Yeah, a heck of a game. Another team who doesn't have anybody who who can really guard Hunter. Um, that would have been a nice little route to a Final Four. Not yeah. gonna lie, it would have been a, a tough route. You're looking at Houston's a trendy pick, especially you know in the context of what seed they are to get there, and you know maybe some people have them winning it all. Whatever. Villanova always a, a pick there, and they're a good team. And Tennessee was one of those trendy picks. Should have been a two seed, all that. So anyone yeah. talking about the road being anything but tough, I think is that's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I I wrote this last night too that even being really disappointed about a game that felt like you should have won in the Sweet Sixteen against Villanova shows how far this team has come. You know because yeah, nobody, it shows how good they could have been. Right, the ceiling was there, and. I, I said it before the game, like Michigan's talent, when you look at who's going to be a pro in the next few years, uh, you know, who has the best player on the floor. I thought it was Hunter Dickinson, despite him not having a great game. Michigan had the upside. They're an 11 seed, but they had the best player on the floor, in my opinion, you know, not on that night last night, but the best player on the floor overall in three straight NCAA tournament games, including against two teams that were on the top three lines of seeding. So that it speaks to the talent Michigan has the, that gear they have when they're playing well. And can you really remember that many games this year that they played well in that you said, Oh, Michigan played really well and lost. I, I don't remember many. They obviously had a lot of those losses early on in the season when they just didn't have things figured out. Um, maybe at Purdue, maybe at Purdue. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. They, they were hitting shots, well. but they, they couldn't the defend one. still, but yeah, but like, yeah. Yeah. The defense was, was brutal in tough, that game. That was just a tough game. Right. <laughs> and and Purdue, Purdue will do that. That's fair to – like, give right. Purdue that where when they play well, I think they can beat anyone too. So, and they're better. But but the fact 100%. that it's even a – we're looking at one game and you could still kind of argue, you know, yeah. Michigan's top gear I thought was, was really, really good. I want to uh, get this quick add in and then I uh, want to get some final thoughts here as we head in now to the offseason. But uh, March Madness is here. Not everyone can have a perfect bracket. I don't for sure, but you can have the perfect set of balls this tournament season with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have just launched. Ants for the people on YouTube showing his uh, his Manscaped product right there. Which one is that right there? It's the deodorant. That's the deodorant. Yeah, there we go. So he Man. got that shipped to him. They keep sending us stuff. Uh, it's fantastic right there. Yeah. Do the little finger swipe through it? Yep. Yeah, that's Walker. That's Walker being Walker. Um, so the leaders in below the waist grooming just launched their ultra premium collection to give you the total championship hygiene routine. They just sent those to us, uh, after sweating out the games, make sure to lather up head to toe with this all in one skin and hair kit 
to have your body and balls smelling Final Four fresh. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With our exclusive offer, go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code 20GOBLUE for 20% off and free shipping. That's 20-G-O-B-L-U-E for 20% off and free shipping. This is a Cinderella story you're not going to want to miss. Uh, so, again, Manscaped promo code 20GOBLUE. Uh, it'll be in the, the description there. Um, so, offseason now. Uh, this is a huge offseason for Michigan. I think they're going to hit the portal again. Uh, we have plenty of guys here that we'll be looking at and monitoring in terms of decisions to be made. Everybody from Hunter Dickinson to Musa Diabate to Caleb Houston, Devontae Jones even, who I wouldn't expect to come back but has another year of eligibility. Brandon Johns has another year of eligibility. Um, you look at uh, you know plenty of guys. There could be some transfers. We're expecting a little bit of that uh, as well, which would be the first time in a couple of years for Michigan, which is amazing given, given the landscape of college basketball. But where do you go in terms of – what guys do what? What do you think they should do? I guess it's it's really tough to tell because everyone's situation is so different. Um, and everyone has things that we obviously don't know about. But I guess just kind of your thoughts heading in here with so many so many moving pieces. This is gonna be the this is gonna be one of the bigger off seasons, um, in my opinion. The main reason is because Walker, please. The okay. main reason, the main reason, the main reason is because there's going to be so much turnover around the league this year. Um, a lot of faces that you've come to know over the last half a decade, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone. Brad Davison is going to be gone. Keegan Jordan Murray. Davis, yeah, Johnny Davis, he's gone. He's Keegan Murray, he's gone. Jordan Bohannon. He's gone. I'm pretty sure Connor McCaffrey is going to be gone. Finally. Um, <laughs> Kofi. Yeah, finally. Kofi, Liddell, possibly Kofi, Branham. maybe. Kofi, Kofi is a maybe. Not going to lie. Uh, okay. I'm hearing a lot of things from um, from the Illinois side. Feels they, like he's he wanted out for like the last two off seasons, but yeah, it, it wouldn't yeah. shock me. They have a, they have a, um, this thing called like the Illini Guardians or something. It's like a an Illinois basketball fan funded NIL like money cannon. That may do it. <laughs> Dog, it's unreal. Um, but that's then you have Illinois with no Frazier, right? No Williams are coming back, no plumber. Purdue, Jaden Ivey's gonna be gone. Trevion Williams is probably gone as well. Um, Iowa, we just touched on that. Ohio State, no E.J. Liddell, no Malachi Branham. Uh, Rutgers, Ron Harper Jr. just announced that he's gone. A couple other guys have some dis- decisions to make. Uh, Michigan State may be pretty good next year because they have a lot of guys who, who can uh, come back. Uh, Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis is probably gone. Um, Northwestern, Pete Nance and Ryan Young is in the, Ryan Young is in the transfer portal. Uh, Maryland's got a bunch, bunch of dudes are gone. Um, Penn State, you know, you know, Minnesota's going to struggle again. Um, but Penn State, I don't know. Nebraska, Bryce McGowan's is gone. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's going to be so much turnover, um, in the Big Ten that I think if, if you can get some guys to come back 
and you get the right guys from the portal and you get a couple of freshmen playing at a high level, you're, you're looking at a legit top three team in the Big Ten. Uh, you're looking at a Big Ten contender. You're looking at, uh, you know, like top 10, top 15 around the around the whole the, the whole country. So the whole thing is, hey, compete and win the Big Ten. When you get to the tournament, just hope for a good matchup and just go from there. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And it's a big offseason for the guys that do know they're coming back too. You look at Frankie Collins, loved his tweet this morning saying it's the biggest offseason of his life. Uh, and that he's excited to to improve. You know, let's say Caleb Houston comes back. Obviously going to be big for him. Touched on that earlier. Um, but the point guard spot's going to be big, I think, with Frankie. And if it ends up just being those two, Doug McDaniel coming in as a true freshman, that's going to be really, really interesting to see how that plays out. You have um, – Terrace Reed. I'm I'm so excited about Terrace. Terrace Reed's going to be – he's going to be good. And people are forgetting about him. Somebody asked me the other day if, if Will Cheddar is going to start at the five next year. If all like the Terrace guys Reed. leave, I was like, they have Terrace Reed coming in. So listen, listen, one of my boys coaches on the prep circuit and okay. he played against Terrace and I hit him up. I hit him up the other day and I was like, I was like, uh, I was like, uh, I was like, Hey man, can you, I go, what's good. How was Terrace Reed? He goes, he was a load against us. Was arguably the best big we played all year besides Derek Lively. And Derek Lively is the number like number one or no number two. Yeah. Um player in the country for 2022 is going to I believe Kentucky. I think two? Kentucky, yeah. Yeah. Um he played all year besides Derek Lively, but Reed is more of a scoring threat than Lively. Jeez. Um he should be pretty damn good. I think he should be able to help Michigan next next year if at least one of the Abate Dickinson don't return. Right. Like he coaches on he coaches one of the top prep schools in the country. Like one of the top prep schools. Like legit one of the top. Um uh he coached a really good point guard, coached a really, really good point guard, um, who played for Tennessee. So if you don't know who that is, then yeah. Um, he came from that school. So um, high praise for Terrace Reed. You're talking about someone who's like 6'10", 7'4", 7'5", wingspan. Yeah. Um, he gives you something on both ends. If we can get his explosiveness a little bit more, he's already like super explosive. Uh, I compared him to uh, David West, um, former Xavier like M- NBA player. He's very David West-like. Um Real good player. I can't wait till he comes in. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but they have a they have a they have a lot of a lot of things to figure out. A lot of things to figure out. They have they have to do a better job constructing the roster. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit overweighted towards threes, fours, and fives this year, which almost hurt Michigan down the stretch here, especially yeah. with like injuries and all that stuff. And with Zeb gone. There's only three guys that are guaranteed to come back in the backcourt next year. I think they need to to hit the portal. Um, you know, you could yeah. play Jet at the two or do whatever. You could piece it together, but um, yeah. they they probably well, need to do some work. There. Well, they've reached out to to Sam Sesums yep. already from Penn State. It was I'm more like, of a point. Uh, yeah, I don't love that. I mean, 
I, I get reaching <laughs> I was out. Like, why? I was like, why? I get hitting him up. Maybe, maybe it was like somebody just texted him and we're like, hey, we're we might want to talk. But <laughs> yeah. what does that even mean? Because it said like thirty teams reached out, but um, yeah, that, that didn't make a ton of sense to me. I think they need a guy, a two guard type. Um, I think you got to roll with either Frankie or Doug at at point guard. At some point, you got to. I think so. Don't I? I don't want to see any more point guards come in right now. Um, because I think we're set. I th- I think we're set with Frank. Frankie's got to get his jump shot right. Has to. got to get his jump shot right. Get your shot right. Like get it right. Get it respectable. Like if he can shoot. 33, 34% from three next year. It doesn't even need to be like near 40. Just make it somewhat respectable. Like in the 30s. If he saw what Hunter did this year, I'll take that 100%. Because I think that that was one of the main reasons why he didn't play towards the game, towards the end of the game last night, was because of his shot. Because they needed to continue to give the big spacing underneath. Um, and they were coming back too. So they needed. No, no. Would he better to get get into the paint than find someone? Maybe. He's so goofy. He's so <laughs> you know, like 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 maybe if he could like get in the paint like dish, but the like his shooting was the reason why he couldn't play at certain points in this season, even though he would have been highly needed. As someone who can really handle the ball and take care of the basketball, um, you don't want your jump shot to be a reason why you can't be put in certain situations for sure. For sure. And even the Tennessee game when he was in, the fact that they won that game with Frankie Collins playing off the ball and Eli just taking over is just crazy <laughs> to me because you had a guy out there who you can sag off of. But that's, yeah, another story for another day. We'll uh, we'll probably come back in a week or two, and I know things are going to change daily, you know, and things like yeah. that. But we'll, we can do kind of a – an um you know off season type of thing um but great stuff obviously a tough tough loss for michigan but uh overall a, a pretty good run there and you feel good for those guys that they were able to win a couple games in the tournament um thanks to our sponsors manscaped and scott his deodorant there so uh he's all set um you can get yours too promo code 20 go blue remember to join us at the wolverine.com one dollar gets you an entire year of premium access and uh We will talk to everybody next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.